Welcome to the inaugural episode of Close Talking, featuring myself, Jack Rossiter-Munley, and my co-host, Connor Stratton. Together, every other week, we will take one poem and spend the entire episode digging deep into what that poem means, what we take away from that poem, and spending a little bit of time discussing the cultural or historical importance of the poem if it's a famous or well-known work. All right. Okay. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Close Talking. I am Jack Roster Munley, and this is Connor Stratton. Connor McNamara Stratton. I don't know which you want to do. Uh, well, I think we're going to go McNamara. Okay. Just, Full writing name. Yeah. It's uh, my mom's maiden name. Got a, got a shout out. Give a shout out to my mom. The McNamara clan. McNamara. Irish blood for life. Um, so anyway, Connor is a uh, is an MFA student at the University of Minnesota. I am someone who has a USB microphone, and we are both fans of poetry. So we are going to start this podcast off. It's going to be just a conversation about some poems where we dig into them and talk about what we think about them. Yeah. Um, we're going to start off with Urban Renewal by Yusef Kumanyaka, who is a pretty cool poet. Great poet. Um, to start us off, Connor is going to read the poem. I will. All right. Uh, Urban Renewal. The sun slides down behind brick dust, today's angle of life. Everything melts, even when backbones are eye beams braced for impact. Sequential sledgehammers fall, stone shaped into dry air, white sound system of loose metal under every footstep. Wrecking crews, men unable to catch sparrows without breaking wings into splinters. Blues horn mercy, bloodlines. Nothing but the white odor of absence. The big iron ball swings, keeping time to pigeons cooing in eaves as black feathers float on to blueprint parking lots. Cool. Excellent. There is yeah. a lot going on in that poem. Um, just really quickly on Kumanyaka, he was born, I think, in 1947. That sounds right to me. And he talks about his grandparents being important to him in terms of finding poetry because they were super into the Bible, which has a certain amount of poetic imagery to it. Certainly. Um, particularly the Old Testament. We mm -hmm. may even get to that on a future podcast. I'm not opposed Stranger to it. Stranger Things have happened. <laughs> um, Stranger Things, by the way. I've heard it's a great show. Definitely I, watch it. I've got to um, watch it, yeah. Anyway, uh, he also served in the Vietnam War, and after coming back, went to college, started writing a bunch of poetry. Everybody loves it. So. Yeah, you know, he's, he's one of the... America's Greatest Living Poets, I would say. Um, he's won the Pulitzer, among other awards. Um, yeah, really good. And he's also published, like, a stupid number of so books. So many books. Poems. Yeah, it's so like many way, books. Way too many. Yeah. Too. Um, we would list them, but there are far too many to list. Yeah. And so it, anyway, yeah. um, Connor does this thing every year for his birthday where he posts... <laughs> A poem on Facebook. I feel like it's important for people yeah, to know this. Yeah, sure. This is, this is the context. So, it's... like, Connor does this every year. His choices are always very good, but 
this was his latest pick. His birthday also was very recently, so happy birthday, Connor. Thanks um, very much. <laughs> but anyway, so this poem was actually Connor's most recent birthday poem. He puts the poem on Facebook, encourages all of his friends to read it, like the American hero of poetry that he is. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's like everyone likes poetry, but no one reads it, or this is the generalization, and I feel like it's a good use of the, the old Facebook platform to, um, you know, ha- insert a little poetry into daily life. I think it's fantastic. And personally, for me, as someone who likes poetry, I actually hadn't run across this poem before, and the second I read it, Connor and I had been talking about possibly doing this podcast, I immediately wrote to him and told him that I wanted to start by talking about this poem. He did. Because in reading through it, and then Connor also always mentions in his post, which I think is very nice of him, that people should read the poem aloud. It's true. Whether to friends or on your own, because it is yeah. a different experience to hear it. And in doing that, I just found myself having so many thoughts and connections and ideas while reading this poem, I really wanted to talk about it. And because Connor had picked it, I wanted to hear from him about why he yeah. picked it as his birthday poem. Yeah. I know. And Jack wrote to me, and I was like, we gotta do it. I gotta know your thoughts. Um, yeah. So no. why did you pick it as your birthday poem? That is a great question. Um, I mean, I wanted to do a Yusuf Komunyaka poem because, uh, well, he's just been one of the more formative poets for me, I think, in my writing since since I sort of like got serious in college about it. Um, and I feel like he's a really good, um, really good contemporary poet in that he uh, makes really, I think, deliberate use of form, uh, but, is, but is also accessible in a way that um, sort of like people who aren't deep in the avant-garde can appreciate. Yeah, I think this poem is, I mean, it's very layered, but the message is pretty clear, and the idea that he's putting forward is... Yeah, his images are always crystal clear, I think, which is very important. On the theme of building, you could even say that they are concrete. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I would go there as well. which is something that I found interesting is that there's a lot of building materials specifically named in the poem. I wrote down a couple. Yeah. There's brick dust, I-beams, sledgehammers, and an iron ball. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. That's something that's ever stuck out to you. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's I mean, part of what's interesting is like he um that in conjunction with the title makes this poem interesting because the title sets itself up for well a lot of like political problematic connotations we have urban renewal we're thinking of gentrification we're thinking of like tearing down you know cool stuff to replace it with commercial stuff traditionally parking lots ethnic or minority neighborhoods to make room for usually wealthier or yeah. In some form more like socially acceptable right, right. building of some right. kind. So either parking lots for stores or houses that are right. gonna house wealthier people and force right. out those right. who already live there, either just through the fact of building those houses or because once those houses are built the property values start to go up and people who used to occupy a space in a city are no mm-hmm. longer able to afford the place that they and their family members yeah. have lived. 
for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. And the the phrase is such like a horrible euphemism, like renewal. It's such a, I mean, it 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 assumes in the name that what was what was there before was dead or old or you know bad bad. Uh, and this is like the pure rejuvenation of you know blah 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 taking what was once so dark and terrible and making yeah. it light and white yeah. and better right exactly with all of the racial connotations yeah. which also show up in here there's a lot Certainly. of color talk in there this is color. a lot of color talk yeah um, yeah we have um stone shaped into dry air white sound system of loose metal and then nothing but the white odor of absence which leads to pigeons cooing and eaves as black feathers float onto blueprint parking lots mm-hmm. um yeah and it it's interesting because i think that the title sets you up for this you know polemic and what komenyaka is doing is just actually looking at the material physical action of what of urban renewal looks like in the I-beams or in the sledgehammers. And going along with that, though, I feel like there is a strong strain in the poem of allusions to the the bigger political, like the implications mm-hmm. of what those concrete, yeah, uh, or like the, the tactile part of it, what that really means. The line that really grabbed me, I mean, aside from seeing how he puts white into the poem, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the second time, when he's talking about the white odor of absence, yeah. that to me is very, uh, that makes me think of white flight and the absence yeah. of white people from neighborhoods that have, so the other side of urban renewal would be integration. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of areas that were becoming integrated, white families would simply leave. And then they became a neighborhood that would in another 20 or 40 years be a target for some sort of, you know, urban renewal project right and that to me is where i went with that line and then similarly the line that says bloodlines Mm -hmm. um yeah the mention of that to me anyway immediately because blood red yeah um made me think of redlining right which is for those who don't know that's a housing practice uh where literally on maps with red lines areas would be drawn out and poor areas would be targeted either for higher priced services or for a denial of services because the area was considered poor or poorly kept. Right, um, Right. which began, I think, with the, the Fed in mm-hmm. the middle 20th century. Yep. And it was actually, the federal government actually... One of the ways that it determined it was how, how like proportionally uh, not white an area was. Right. So like literally, if yeah, if an area was more than like five percent not white or something, then it would be sort of you would unable to be get like a a low interest mortgage. I think. Right. Um, Which is just a simple way to try and keep areas racially segregated once that segregation became illegal around that time yeah. so it's just a new machination for keeping yeah. areas pure but anyway reading bloodlines makes me immediately think of that yeah and also the fact that when you do own a house it's something that you can then pass on to your children right. and that's something that you know many people of color mm-hmm. in this nation 
have had to deal with the fact that they, until very recently, because of practices like restrictive covenants, which was where you could actually sign a contract that said your house would not be sold to a black person um, when you sold it, because of that kind of practice, you, it was very, very hard for African-American families who moved uh, to the North during the Great Migration in the middle 20th century after World War II, like, it was very difficult for them to actually get houses as a result of that. So when I'm reading Bloodlines in this poem, mm -hmm. those are the two sort of places I go with it, which really does bring this broader political, yeah. social yeah. context to this very tactile description yeah. of urban renewal. Yeah, and I think that's like, that stanza, so this poem is split into couplets, uh, and that stanza is such a amazing turning point in the poem. And going back to nothing but the white odor of absence, like along with everything Jack said, the whole poem specifically has been describing destruction, basically, mm. on a material level. Everything is melting, the sun is behind dust, um, sledgehammers are falling, and then there's wrecking crews who are breaking basically sparrows into splinters. Um, and what's... So so the the odor of absence were... Is is also a literal description. We're seeing we're seeing things being destroyed and removed, um, but also it's just a great like um, phrase. Nothing but the white odor of absence. So mm. absence is actually the the present smell that's here, um, rather than just like a lack of something. It's actually an insistent lack. And in some ways, with urban renewal, that absence is the unstated goal it's trying yeah. to create an absence so that it can be filled by white bodies yeah or yeah yeah white businesses right or... right yeah yeah and up till that point in the poem um i mean things so rhythmically i the the sentences have been pretty long um or at least longer and sort of fairly full you know, not fragments or anything. Um, and then at that point, right right leading up to that stanza, so the sentence before, you have wrecking crews, men unable to catch sparrows without breaking wings into splinters, and blues horn mercy, bloodlines, nothing but the white odor of absence. Things really slow down there. And the image also moves to the abstract very intensely. Blues, horn, mercy, bloodlines. Um, so Komenyaka is, is um, I think, rhythmically crunching the poem to um, draw attention to his move to the abstract. Um, which, yeah. I just Definitely. And then that. shortly after that part, it's the iron... The big iron ball swings, keeping time to pigeons cooing in eaves as black feathers float on to blueprint parking lots. And that whole last part is a switch from what is being destroyed to what is then being built in its right. place. And it's sort of an right. acknowledgement of what was there and what was lost as the way of capping off the part of the poem mm -hmm. talking about that destruction. So you're introduced to the destruction, you're told what that destruction means, and then you're yeah. presented with what it's replaced with, which is essentially a parking lot. Right. Um, how exciting is that when you could have, you know, Blue's Horn Mercy and these bloodlines of yeah. families who've lived there for so long. Yeah. You know, like, it, you get a very quick 
and deep look at the culture and the people who've been yeah. there for a long time just in those two quick it's three words split into two sentences and yeah. it's just yeah and it's a very subtle echo of the blue because you have mm-hmm. the blues horn mercy to the blueprint of the parking lot right and i have to say the blueprint parking lots also made me think of like racist city planning practices yeah, yeah. Oh, of yeah. you know building sure. highways to break up black neighborhoods for sure it was the blueprints that were in government records mm-hmm. that allowed a lot of the court cases around that sort of mm-hmm. practice to be won that's interesting um similarly like we're in new york right now recording this together yeah. and in new york famously when uh the highways were built out to the beaches on long island the bridges on those highways were made low enough that public buses could not travel that route which was Ooh, damn. right like that is that. a pretty insidious way to just gently nudge uh, well, not so gently. It's like it's kind of a jerk move. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like a big time jerk move to just yeah. make it clear that brown people are not accepted yeah. on the beaches in Long Island, and it's really not going to be made easy for you to access them if you don't have right. your own car or you don't already live close by. Right. Um, right. That's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, when I when I read Blueprint parking lots, the blueprint as the sort of replacement for the blues horn is like everything that a blues horn is not blues horn is known for improvisation it's Mm -hmm. known for you know music nighttime all this kind of stuff blueprint is like charted out on a grid it's a plan for the future it's all put into place it's static it's a bunch of you know white men in suits in a room making their plans it's spatial right it's not temporal Mm -hmm. um yeah it's you know it's printed it's not in oral or aural um and the end result Soundscape. is a parking lot, which itself, from above, looks something like a grid. Yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of lines yeah. that tell you where you can park your car. Right. It's very instructive. Right. Uh, it's just the it's the total opposite of what what used to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. So do you want to read it again? I think we should read it again. Sounds good. Uh, or do you want me to read it this time? Do you want to read it? I'll read it this yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Urban Renewal by Yusef Kumanyaka. The sun slides down behind brick dust, today's angle of life. Everything melts, even when backbones are I-beams braced for impact. Sequential sledgehammers fall stone, shaped into dry air. White sound system of loose metal under every footstep. Wrecking crews. Men unable to catch sparrows without breaking. Wings into splinters. Blues horn. Mercy. Bloodlines. Nothing but the white odor of absence. The big iron ball swings, keeping time. To pigeons cooing in eaves as black feathers float on to blueprint parking lot. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember you can catch us the second and fourth Friday of every month, and our sister podcast, Poetry Spoken Here, is the first and third Friday of every month, so every week you'll have poetry coming right to your podcast feed. Take a minute to subscribe on the iTunes store, and make sure to find us either there or on SoundCloud so that you get the latest in close talking and Poetry Spoken Here news. 